0: Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Well, it is good to welcome you on this, uh, it's hard to believe, first Sunday in August. I don't know where the time's going, but it sure seems to be passing me by. I hope I hope you're enjoying some of your summer, and uh, for those of you who are connected with school in any way, I hope... You still have some time left. Um, Back in 1963, and that was before a lot of you were born, an epic comedy film was released. And and some of you probably heard of it, but some of you probably haven't. It was called It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. It it featured the largest cast of comedians ever assembled together in one film up to that time. The cast included Spencer Tracy, Edie Adams, Milton Berle, Buddy Hackett, Ethel Merman, Mickey Rooney, Jimmy Durante, Peter Falk, and Jonathan Winters, and cameos by uh, over four dozen actors, including Jack Benny, Buster Keaton, Don Knotts, Jerry Lewis, Carl Reiner, and the Three Stooges. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, it, you know, if it had the Three Stooges, it had to be good. I mean, that's, I'm, I'm just saying I am proud to say I taught my daughter and my son all about the Three Stooges, all right? That's, that's what a dad does, right? We, we, we teach them. yeah, anyway. However, that crazy comedy is not what this series is about. Instead, this is just a mad, mad world because so much of the world around us seems mad as in angry, and mad, as even at times crazy. Whether in the news or on social media, in our communities or our schools, just, there's so much division, there's so much turmoil today with harsh, caustic, even crass language, increasingly the norm as people try to deal with, with genuine concerns, with different ways of viewing the issues of our world. And, and this stuff gets many of us fired up, and others angry, some depressed, some sad, and some just want to withdraw from it all. But if you're a Christian, the question is, how am I supposed to deal with these divisions? Over the next few weeks, we want to explore how God teaches us in the Bible to live our lives in in challenging and polarizing times. Now, I grew up in the church, in a church, and, and uh, yet when I went to college and uh, coming out of college, going to work, um, coming to work here in Houston as an engineer, I, uh, I virtually never went to church during that period. Often hung out with folks who did not care about Christ or his church. It wasn't important to them, didn't matter to them. And my life reflected that in the, in the choices that I made. My, my godly mother Who's no longer with us? I know she would have been so embarrassed if she'd heard some of the things that came out of my mouth during that time, or some of the things I thought about, or even even some of the things I did. Um, and the more I did, looking back, I, I discovered that I, I I became more and more desensitized to those things. It, it became easier. It, be, it became less of an issue, less of a problem. Uh, things that I avoided in my earlier years. Fortunately, I I, thankfully, I think after a few years, I I feel like God began working in my life or I became aware of him working in my life, a pull on me and and I, I returned to church and ultimately I did commit my life, fully commit my life to Jesus Christ. And as the weeks and and months after that rolled by, as I sought to know Jesus better through Bible study and prayer, through worship and and living my life in community with with others who were seeking to follow Jesus and and live according to his ways, I I found that I was increasingly uncomfortable with some of the things I had been saying, doing. Some of the words that were coming out of my mouth, I thought, hmm, do I really want to be saying that? Is that really the right thing to do? I I found myself, even some of the television shows and and movies that I would go to see, questioning. if It was really a good idea. And I began to realize that Romans 12.2 was was happening in my life through my desire to follow and imitate Jesus. And and Romans 12.2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And somewhere during that time, um, back in the, early in the church, I learned a phrase that many of you have also heard. Uh, Christians are called to be in the world, but not of the world. Or, or sometimes we say we're called to not be worldly. Now, to be honest with you, For a long time, I I just assumed that that was a a phrase, a direct quote out of the Bible. But it turns out that that quote is not actually in the Bible. But the principle is clearly there, though not maybe quite as succinct as as that phrase. And I want to show that to you this morning and then let you see the significance. We want to look at the significance of it for how we live our lives today. So on the night before Jesus went to the cross, as he was gathered with his disciples in an upstairs room to celebrate the Passover, the Jewish Passover, he knew his time was limited, and he, and he used it to warn his disciples that the journey that, about the journey that lay ahead of them, that, that it wasn't going to be an easy journey. He said in John 15, beginning in verse 18, he said, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. In other words, Jesus says he and his followers are hated by the world around us because we're not of the world. We we don't live by its values. We We don't accept its standards. And, and yet, in and living that way, we draw attention to the ways that the world around us has veered away from God's best. Many folks have gotten pretty good at dismissing those pricks of conscience that maybe, like me, they grew up in a church or they heard it or somebody talked about it somewhere and they thought, I, you know, I heard that's not right. But everybody else is doing it or it's a lot of fun or I don't mind. And before long, we kind of slide into some things either directly or otherwise. And and people who see us living differently, it it reminds them that there are some different standards out there. And then a little later in the evening, uh, in a prayer for his disciples, Jesus Jesus said this in, in John 17, beginning in verse 13, he prayed, But now I am coming to you, Father, and these things I speak in the world that my disciples may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they're not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. I don't ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They're not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Now... The word world is used a lot in this passage, and so a legitimate question might be, what does Jesus mean by the word world? And the Bible gives us at least three meanings of this word that are used in its pages. The first one is the created world. In other words, everything that is made. Acts 17, 24, he is the God who made the world and everything in it. Second, the people of the world. In other words, us, all all the folks around the world. And that was what Jesus was talking about in John 16 when he said, for God so loved the world. He wasn't specifically talking about the things of the world. He was talking about the people because he said he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should should not perish but have eternal life. But the third is the system of the world headed by Satan based on self and greed and pride. And this is the sense that Jesus is talking about on his last night before his crucifixion. This is what Paul was talking about when he wrote to the church in Rome, do not be conformed to this world. Jesus and the Bible are clear that this this fallen world is ruled by Satan. Jesus said, the time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. And in, in 1 John, he's, it says, we know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Satan, we often forget, seeks to lure you and me into his kingdom of darkness rather than the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light. And he does this through lies and deception. He is so good at it. He's so good. He, he knows us Too well, and he knows where our weaknesses are. He knows what tempts us, what draws us away, or where we would like to be like somebody else. Jesus said in John, the devil was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And, and let us not mistake, I mean, he is a, a, a fallen angel. He is a supernatural being, and, and, and his lies are supernaturally powerful so that on our own, we don't even realize sometimes that we have bought into his deceptions. In 2 Corinthians, and what to me, is one of the most eye-opening verses of all of Scripture. It says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. Now hear that. That says that every human being is in a a spiritual battle. That Satan is seeking to blind those. And for those who do not have the power of of Christ through his spirit living in us, Satan is able to cloud and make us think differently. To lead us off. And, And that's why sometimes people have a very hard time coming to faith. Billy Graham said, This world has its own entertainment and diversions that so permeate the atmosphere that it makes the way of the cross seem antiquated and irrelevant. In much of the entertainment media fostered by the world, the name of God is profaned, sex is glamorized, and high ethical living and Christian moral standards are laughed at. But that is precisely why Jesus came. He came to defeat the lies of the devil, of sin and to invite you and me and all people, not, not just those of us who are already inside the walls, all people into the kingdom of God. In fact, as Jesus began his ministry, that was his, his whole point. If, if you listen to him in, in the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, Jesus said, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent. In other words, turn around, change from the way you're going, and believe the good news. And yet, let's be honest, Christians can still be fooled. I know I have been. I mean, I, 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 and I know lots of others have as well. So Jesus warned his disciples that while they were in the world, they needed to allow his power to, to help them keep from being of the world, of living by the world's values, by, by giving in to the, to the deceptions and lies of the devil's kingdom. And the good news is that when we place our trust in Jesus Christ, as I said, His Spirit immediately comes to live within us. And and His Spirit is the Spirit of God, the Spirit that created all of the universe, the Spirit of infinite power that is stronger than the devil, enabling us to see and live the truth if we choose to obey, if we choose to go along, if we believe that's the truth. The Bible says in 1 John 4, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Listen to that. That to me is one of the great promises for those of us who follow Jesus. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. In Philippians 3, it says our citizenship is Is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ. Who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control. Will transform our lowly bodies. So that they will be like his glorious body. And the Bible promises this life. This life of Jesus. That though challenging. Because the world didn't like him. And the world will oppose us. Even hate us. It's still so much better than living the lies of this world. I mean, a lie is always a lie. And, and it will always lead you away from God's best. It says in Psalm 16, You, Lord, have made known to me the path of life, the way to live. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. But again, I don't want to kid us to say it's, this is easy for followers of Jesus. It can be really challenging for us to, to discern the line between what is, what is God's kingdom and what is Satan's kingdom. What is the kingdom of light and what is the kingdom of darkness? And because of this, there are at least three different ways that Christians relate to the world around us. And as I was looking at this week, I was reminded of an old analogy that, that really spoke to me when I first heard it years ago. And, and, and I want to use it again. The analogy of a boat to help us get a handle on, on these three ways that we can relate to the world around us. The first, the first way is to separate from the world, to separate. And so it, it's like a boat that was made for the water that's been put somewhere on the ground and just left there to rot. I, I mean, it, it, it's a boat, but it's it's not serving any of its design-created purpose at all. and And... For us, when we separate ourselves from the world, our intentions may be good here. I don't want to give in to to Satan's temptations. I I, I want to get away from that. And down through the centuries, people have sought to remove themselves from the world around them, even living as as hermits or monks. But there are at least a couple of problems with this approach. First, it assumes that the problem... Is out there somewhere it's those people out there it's it's those things out there when in reality the the problem is in us in each one of us as we're tempted to sin even even by ourselves I mean we can we can sin when we're alone we can have thoughts we can we can do things that are not helpful for the kingdom of God All by ourselves but the bigger issue is that in his prayer to God Jesus tells us that that in fact this is not even his plan for his disciples he said I do not ask that you take them out of the world God but that you keep them from the evil one as you sent me into the world so I have sent them into the world Jesus says I have sent you he calls those of us who follow him not to just simply retire into holy huddles and, and, and soak it in and, and, and draw a, a, a wall around us. He calls us to go out into the world because that's the way God has chosen to bring his good news into the lives of those who have fallen for the lives of the enemy and been captured by the lures of the world. We have a fundamental role and we cannot fulfill it if we retreat, if we withdraw The second way is to compromise with the world. And and here, uh, imagine a boat taking on water. All right? Boats are not made to have water in them. So what happens when the water starts to come in? Bad things. (laughs) You know, I don't know how they got that many people on there, but I will tell you it didn't last for long. That was a sinking ship in every sense of the word. And, and that's not the way we're created to live. These days now, for some of us, if we did not grow up in the church, if, if Christianity or coming to church is, is new to us, maybe maybe even today is the first time you've ever been, then this is all you've ever known. The, the world has always been a part of your life. and You don't know about Christ. You don't know about the freedom that he can bring. But even for those of us who are Christians... It can still happen to us because we fail to protect ourselves from the influences of the world, thinking we're strong enough by ourselves that I don't need any help. I can do this myself. And we end up getting sucked in or going too far. Or it, it just seems too hard. I mean, all of our, my friends are doing it. I'm getting pressure at work to go that way. Or, or some of my schoolmates are always giving me a hard time about it. And you can go on and on about the list. And so eventually I just... Throw, in, throw up my hands and give up and surrender to the way everybody else is living. I mean, following Christ may seem hard, or it may seem boring, or for some even, it may seem weird. And we can get seduced by the false promises this world offers. Now, admittedly, a lot of Christians don't intentionally go down this path, but we do often without intending to compromise little by little going a little bit further you know taking just a step or two oh it, it, my friend's doing it and, and he's a good guy and i think it'll be okay and I, I i'm sure it'll be so weird i'm not going any further i'm not going to do that but i am going to take a step but the problem is i take a step and then i get used to it and a year from now when someone invites me to take another step well I'm just taking a step, that's all I'm doing, I'm not going very far, it's not a big deal. And I begin to walk down a very slippery slope, rationalizing in order to fit in or to get along or to avoid trouble. Surely God couldn't be concerned about these little things, these little details. Or we get caught up in our feelings as we we engage sincere people who who they they seem so sure of themselves and that it must be okay. But we fail to realize that people can be sincere and be sincerely wrong because we're not staying true to God's standards, spelled out in the life of Jesus, spelled out throughout the Bible. And we end up spending the majority of our time in the world rather than in God's kingdom. Spending our time in God's kingdom through Bible study and prayer, through worship and, and community with other Christians who, who remind us of the standards, of the values of the kingdom, who encourage us, who, who call us back, who, who give us a standard to go by. Attending worship weekly reading your your bible and praying daily intentionally spending time with other christians in biblical community through groups are all ways we remind ourselves what we believe and whose side we're on you know and and god impressed on me on this this image of several weeks ago or a couple months ago and it just keeps sticking with me and, and it's this uh, this kind of this idea that okay I, I over the last month or two i mean i can't tell you all the meals i ate you know i mean obviously i ate them. And, and, and there's not a question about that. But here's the thing. If I had not eaten some of those meals, if I would skipped some, I would be fairly different than, than I am today. Though I probably might not notice the difference just from one day to the next. It's, it's very small. It's very incremental. But over time, it can have a huge impact. It affects my energy levels. It affects how I think. The cumulative effect can be significant. And that's the danger when we get on that slippery slope, when we start to compromise. We don't realize how far away we get. We don't realize the value and the importance of being in worship regularly. Yeah, you you may not remember my sermon next week, You may not remember Betsy's sermon last week. You may not remember all the details. But you don't know how God works in the midst of bringing us in together as a community. Of reminding us of of what's important, of our values. of, Of giving us the strength to go out and be in the world, but not of the world which leads us to really the third way that we can live our lives, and that's to be Christ's ambassadors in the world. And so finally, imagine a boat in the water, but the boat is being used for what it's intended for. Now that's what I'm talking about, see? That's what a boat's intended for, all right? You know, and and notice there's no water in there. I mean, have you ever been fishing or out in a boat and it's got a leak? Can you pay attention to what you're doing or you're constantly bailing or you got to get it to the bank or something like that? But when, when the boat is in the water but the water is not in the boat, the boat can do what it was created for. Whether it's catching bass or hauling cargo or, or skiing or... Y'all don't ski anymore, do you? Almost nobody skis, but we used to ski. Okay? But anyway whatever it is an ambassador represents another country in a foreign land and while the ambassador interacts with the local culture he is always committed to his home country and stays true to its ways he he is His boat is out in the water, but it is not allowing the water to get into him. An ambassador makes sure he surrounds himself with others from his land, and he regularly returns to his home country to get directions on on how to stay true to the priorities and principles of his homeland while representing those concerns and causes in that foreign country. As Christians, we live by the standards and laws of our homeland, the kingdom of God, heaven. Instead of the world we find ourselves in. But our purpose, our purpose is to represent the interests of our native country. Of the kingdom of heaven. In that foreign land. The apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians. Therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold the new has come. All this is from God That's exactly what Jesus was saying in the upper room when he was praying to God in John 17. He said, you, He said, as you, God sent me into the world, so I have sent them, my disciples, my followers, into the world. In other words, every Christian is called by our leader, Jesus, to neither compromise with the world nor to separate ourselves from it, but to seek to reconcile those we encounter back to Christ, to introduce them to Christ, to call them home, to show them the good news, to live it out before them as someone did with us before us, and ultimately Jesus did it with his disciples. And let me be real clear. In this setting, we can't go around being haters haters of the people of the world, haters of people whose values are different from us, because then we see them as the enemy rather than as those enslaved by the enemy. This is a really important distinction. A lot of times we want to make out people to be the problem, but the Bible says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, in other words against people, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Those are all ways of talking about the darkness, the evil, the ways of Satan. They're they're all ways of saying that that's the problem. And because the problem is the spiritual forces of evil that reign, as the Bible says, reign in our world today, Yet we can still enjoy the true wonders of God's creation. He he created them. They are good in and of themselves, but we are not to immerse ourselves into the world's values nor focus our lives on worldly pleasures like that's the end all and the be all. Listen, pleasure isn't bad. But pleasure isn't our purpose. Our purpose is to work and serve God. God Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's why we're here. That's who he calls us out to be in the world. We believe we're called to follow Jesus as his disciples so that we can unleash his extravagant, unconditional love into our families, into our church, into our community, into the world around us. Because ultimately, ultimately only only light can overcome darkness. More darkness can't overcome darkness. Only light, uh, only the love of God can transform a heart. And that doesn't mean the fallen world around us is going to get all of this right off the bat. But we are to continue representing God's kingdom and be, as, as Jesus himself called us, to be salt and light. And maybe that's a funny metaphor to you, but here's what Jesus says about it in Matthew chapter 5. He says, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. In other words, people are you follow Jesus, people say things about you. It's not necessarily true. Jesus knows it. God knows it. He says, when people are doing that, though, you ought to rejoice and be glad because it means you're following the right one. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Who, they, they look at you and they, or they look at me and they say, I know he couldn't do that, so there must be a God. I mean, that's kind of the way it works sometimes. When you and I step out of sight of the ways of the world, the, the world doesn't believe it. it it's, it's countercultural. It's, it's counterintuitive. And all of a sudden, you become a real witness for God. And the good news is that Jesus prayed to God that he keep us from the evil one and that he would sanctify us in the truth. He says, your word, God's word is truth. The word sanctify is is really just the verbal form of holy. And the word holy means to be separate or different. See, God and his kingdom are ultimately holy. Holy. There is nothing and no one like them. And Jesus asks God, through the power of His Spirit, living in those of us who call Jesus Lord, to make us holy, to make us create new creations in Christ, so that we are unlike the world around us. And yet at the same time, we don't leave the world, we don't abandon the world, we Stay there as ambassadors or agents of reconciliation to help transform in the world. If I don't put the boat in the water, it's really hard to catch bass if it's sitting 50 yards inland. It just doesn't work. I can't throw my lure that far. And the same thing's true with our lives. It doesn't mean we don't come together in a a huddle, like a football team. But, I mean, here we are. Football season is, is kind of starting around us. Would you like to just watch a team huddle? I mean, how much fun would that be? Just sit there and watch them huddle. No. You want them to get out of the huddle and go play the game. That's the point. And that's what God is telling us here. So the question is, in a, in a mad, mad world, how can we be ambassadors for Jesus Christ? How can we represent His interests in the midst of turmoil and terror in our world? And, and this is no promise that, that in, in being ambassadors, our journey is going to be easier. But it will make it better, filled with purpose. And even the power of God to do more than we can imagine or ask. Next Sunday, as, as many of us are preparing to we'll start a new school year, we're going to look at how Christians can face this coming year with all of its anxieties and even terrors, especially after the tragedy down in Santa Fe. How can we do that with the love and power of Christ? How can we be His ambassadors going forward? And not live afraid or, or retreat out of the world or just go along. We'll also be offering you later this month the opportunity to sign up for, for groups for this fall. To give you support, encouragement, teaching with others who are also seeking God's kingdom. We need this together. We need each other. We weren't intended to go through this life alone. God says in Genesis chapter 2, it was not good for man to be alone. And he wasn't just talking about woman. He was saying we need each other. We need each other for encouragement. We need each other for accountability. We don't get, we don't really, none of us realize how much God works in our lives. Coming together in worship, coming together in small groups, spending time. Until we don't do it for a while. And we look back and we think, man, my life's changed. And I didn't even, I didn't even intentionally try to do that. In just a, a couple of minutes, a few minutes after this service, uh, you're going to have the opportunity to participate in communion right, right here as a vivid reminder to each one of us of how much Christ loves you. He cared so much about you. He hated the works of the enemy so much that he came to be one of us, to die in our place that we could have our sins forgiven and we could have his power to live for Christ in the world. And I hope you'll take advantage of that. If you, if you, if you do, and, and we welcome all who are seeking Christ to do that. Uh, if you have children, we ask you to go pick them up first and come. And if you're in the risers, we ask you to come down to the floor. And then Pastor Tom will be leading communion. And just, just starting a couple, of three minutes after the, after the service. Listen again to this. Passage that I opened with from Romans. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You know, as we approach this fall, now is a good time to commit To love God and love your neighbor with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. To to commit to worship every week because we need that encouragement. We need what the Holy Spirit offers to serve weekly, to invest time with God daily and, and to join or continue meeting in a small group in order to be trained and equipped to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ in the world but not of it. It's really my hope and prayer that you'll take whatever step you need to take. You know, as summer winds down, yes, it's still hot. I know, it's, it's going to be hot until the end of September. But with the start of school, it kind of seems like summer is winding down. And we're kind of we're, we're looking back to new routines or getting back into our routines. Isn't this the life? You want the life that Jesus created you for. Not to deny the world and, and, and just get away from it. But not to compromise and, and give in to it. But, but to be in it. And yet not of it. To, to listen to Christ. To talk with one another. To encourage each other in this journey. So that we can be ambassadors for Christ. So that we can be used by Him. So that others can come to know this good news. Others can be saved. Maybe this morning that's what you need to do. You need to commit your life to Jesus Christ. And our prayer team will be out here on the wings of the the platform up here. And they would love to talk to you about that. of What that involves and how to do that. Or maybe you, you need somebody to pray with you. Because... You you work in a place where it's easy to compromise. You work in a place where people are really, there's there's not many people there who, who have any interest in Christ. Or maybe you're in a group at school and there's just a lot of peer pressure. Or you really struggle in your own family. Maybe you're the only one here today from your family because most everybody else doesn't get it. Let us pray for you. Let us encourage you. Let us point you to walk with us in this journey together. Because God loves you. And Jesus died for you. And he wants his best. His best for you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for loving us. That while we were yet sinners, you sent Jesus to die for us. For the forgiveness of our sins. For the power to live our lives through your spirit. For the glory of you, Heavenly Father. We live in a world that battles that tooth and nail. The enemy does not want to give up. He's been defeated. We know that on the cross he was defeated. But he still wields power. And until you return, he will continue to have influence through his lies and deceptions. And if we're honest probably every one of us can admit to some area in our lives where we've given in to those lies. I know I can. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us do everything we need to do to know you, to trust you, to follow you. That the distractions of the world around us would not keep us from your path, from your way of being your ambassadors. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Go represent the kingdom well. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.